If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. A particular university, the City of Hope in Los Angeles, USA, did some work on that protein and they identified and released a paper last year that said when they scanned the National Cancer Institute, which has 260,000 compounds in its database, a number of drugs came out as having efficacy or efficacy against that protein. We were surprised and positively so that Byzantrin was that drug. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guest, Philip Lynch, CEO of Race Oncology. Hi, Phil. And good morning. Hi, Phil. Race Oncology, ASX code RAC, is a precision oncology company with a phase 2-3 cancer drug called Byzantrine. The aim of the company is to build value in Byzantrine through proof-of-concept clinical trials, then sell or partner with a large pharmaceutical company. Byzantrin is not a new drug. It was first discovered in the 70s. Tell us about its history. Sure, um, Phil. Byzantrin um, is our flagship drug. It's the only drug our company has. Um, it was developed by Liddell Laboratories back in the 70s. What's interesting about it is that it's got a, a, a rich clinical trial history, in fact, over 40 clinical trials. And the beauty of that history is that we now know that the drug is safe, that it's being used in a significant quantity of population or people. And so we we know a lot about its efficacy. We know where it works and what indications. So it's got particular track record in acute myeloid leukemia, uh, in breast cancer, uh, and also in ovarian cancer. So how did that work? I mean, if it's been developed a, a very long time ago, but it's still taking a long time. Has it been to market? Has it uh, come on market in, any time before? Yeah, good question. Um, it was, in fact, approved in France in 1990. So they got an approval for acute myeloid leukemia in France. Um, it wasn't actually marketed. And there's a couple of things I should say about that. So number one, the economics of drugs are very different today. You know, insurers, patients, you know, the price of oncology drugs that are efficacious and that improve survival and life, frankly, you know, are richly rewarded. But equally, the drug companies that develop them uh, invest significant money to achieve those outcomes. So that's kind of how the, the economics have evolved. Now, that wasn't the case in the 90s. So by the time Byzantrine was actually qualified, um, the economics of it were not so valuable. There's also a, a phase three trial we had in the US for breast cancer. And we had from that good readouts on efficacy, but they changed the trial methodology during that trial. So that result was flawed and wasn't able to be used. So I think those reasons, and, and frankly, the fact that companies have portfolios, they trim them, they get focused on different strategies, and, and often drugs fall by the wayside. And that was the case with Byzantrine until it was rediscovered. While researching for this interview, I came across the term orphan drug designation. What does that mean? 
Yeah, um, orphan drug designation is a US and also a European policy whereby the governments encourage sponsors who develop drugs to bring drugs that will help small indications. So the challenge in oncology is, of course, everybody would love to have a drug that has a large patient population and, of course, attractive economics. But equally, it's important that, frankly, for all of us, that we develop drugs that help small patient populations and improve cancer outcomes for them. So an orphan drug designation gives a sponsor a seven-year exclusivity for a specific indication. So in our case, for bisantrine, if we can get bisantrine approved in the US for an acute myeloid leukemia indication, we will get seven years of patent protection for our drug. Yeah, and that's really important, isn't it, for pharmaceuticals in that you've only got this window out of which you can monetize it. Is that the case? Is that how the industry works? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the industry is, is of course, driven by economics and, of course, patient outcomes, but the two go hand in hand. So governments, um, insurance companies and drug companies, frankly, ultimately work together cooperatively because that's the only way it can work to help everybody win. What clinical trials have been or are being undertaken at the moment? Yeah, we've got a, a very broad clinical program. And, and I should say at the outset, when you talk about clinical trials, I should differentiate between what's called a preclinical program and a clinical program. So preclinical programs uh, can be in vitro, in, in test tube or dish, and they can be in, in animals. Uh, so that's preclinical, and then clinical is, is in humans. We've got an extensive preclinical program against indications like melanoma, uh, clear cell renal cell carcinoma, which is, uh, I guess, kidney cancer, and also an acute myeloid leukemia. And we're proposing, and we did a recent capital raise and, and did that specifically to announce that we're looking to do a preclinical program in lung cancer. So that would be our preclinical program, but clinically, we're doing some work around breast cancers, and we've got a history in breast cancers, so that work is planned. And equally, we've got work in acute myeloid leukemia, which builds on our legacy foundations, where we've got a track record of success. But importantly, and we should talk more about it in the FTO space, and I need to say more about that, where we're equally proposing a phase one, two study to establish what would be an appropriate dosing methodology to address inhibiting that particular protein. So you're instituting a three pillars strategy. Tell us about race oncology's three pillar strategy. Yeah, at last year's um, November AGM, we, we announced what we called and termed the three pillar strategy. And for us, it's a very specific way of, of helping, I think, shareholders and ourselves communicate strategy and our intentions. And I'll talk to it uh, in reverse. So pillar three is what we call our acute myeloid leukemia strategy. And that pillar is designed to help us to achieve an approval pathway in the US for acute myeloid leukemia. And we're trying to do that in an indication called extramedullary, where the leukemia has actually left the bone marrow and traveled more broadly through the body. So that's our registration pathway pillar, pillar three. Pillar two is our breast cancer pathway. And pillar two um, we've got legacy work and credentials in breast cancer from our historical clinical trials. We've had successful preclinical work in breast cancer, and we're now looking to take bisantrine into metastatic patients in Australia in a phase two study that we hope to start executing this year. And we hope at a later period, potentially overseas, to uh, run that study in an earlier stage patients where we can measure more specifically the impact of our drug alone. That's pillar two. 
Pillar one is what we call the FTO pillar, and, and that's the one we should talk more about around FTO. But said briefly, FTO stands for the Fat Mass and Obesity Associated Protein, uh, also known as FATSO, F-A-T-S-O. That protein is a protein that's being discovered by scientists over the last, say, five years. And what they've identified more recently is that that protein, when it's overexpressed or at heightened levels, is often a common element in causing multiple cancers, in fact, and the proliferation of those cancers. So if you can regulate that protein or inhibit it, you have the ability, therefore, to improve cancer outcomes. So that's the preclinical work that's taken place. Um, A particular university, the City of Hope in Los Angeles, USA did some work on that protein and they identified and released a paper last year that said when they scanned the National Cancer Institute, which has 260,000 compounds in its database, a number of drugs came out as having efficacy or efficacy against that protein. We were surprised and positively so that bizantrine was that drug. So bizantrine, and we communicated this to shareholders last July. So, th- so that was totally without any prompting from race? That was without prompting from race. We read that, we communicated that to shareholders, Mm. and of course we pivoted strategy, and that's why Pillar 1 has become, if you like, our runway pillar or transformation pillar, and we're allocating increasing resources to trying to capitalise on that opportunity. It's an interesting thing about FTO and its role in slowing the growth of cancer. How is race oncology pursuing this as a path in the, the development of this uh, treatment? So we, um, we're continuing a, a preclinical program, and that preclinical program is targeting uh, initially melanoma and clear cell renal cell carcinoma. Those two cancers are cancers that express FTO at very high levels. So if we can demonstrate the ability to inhibit FTO, with bizantrine, we're fairly confident that we can translate that insight and that learning into patients thereafter. So we've got a broad-based preclinical program initially that will give us learnings that we hope to capitalise on. So is FTO something that happens naturally within the body or is it something that is expressed because of cancers? It's expressed because of cancers. So you've got, and this this gets scientific and often more so beyond my understanding, but Mm. said briefly, there are cells that are being written by um, writers and erasers and FTO is a protein that is dysregulated. So it's not at a normal level. So it's lost control that mechanism that produces um, cells. And so FTO, when it's dysregulated, can be a driver of cancer. So if you can regulate it, and in our case, inhibit it with a drug, so it's a druggable protein, then you have the ability, we hope, to improve cancer outcomes for those patients. In your view, what makes race oncology an attractive investment while noting its risks and rewards? Well, I think um, we're unique because... We're a single drug company, but we're not in the drug development business because our drug is already developed. Um, It's got a rich and long history. So we understand very well how it operates in patients. So that reduces risk to a significant degree. So our drug is somewhat ready. And we're, of course, lucky, perhaps, but we we understand the indications it's got historical efficacy against in acute myeloid leukemia and breast cancer, for example, that we touched on. But the new findings around the FTO protein mean that our drug potentially has clinical application across 
solid tumor oncology. So that means it potentially is a broad candidate against a significant um, cancer market. What we now need to do is to bring that to fruition. So when you think about risk reward, we've got a significant number of opportunities with a single drug that's well-developed, that's very safe, and it's understood. And I guess finally, when you look at investing in a company, you look at the team. So we've got a very narrow focused team, but we've got our chair of the board is an oncologist or a hematologist, I should say specifically. He works in the deal business, so he's got a deal background and he's New York based. So he's very connected to the pharmaceutical industry. Our chief scientific officer, Dr. Daniel Tillett, is an investor in the company, so he owns almost 10% of us. He's very invested in us. He's been driving a lot of the strategy and trying to capitalize on the FTO opportunity. And probably most significantly, I should say recently, we announced that the City of Hope and the scientist who wrote the paper on identifying bizantrine as an FTO inhibitor, Professor Jun Jun Chen, He's joined our scientific advisory board, and we announced that just two weeks ago. So we're privileged to have him join us, and that should help us to capitalise on the FTO opportunity. What kind of time frame are we looking at, Phil? So timeframes um, can be answered, of course, by clinical outcomes. We've got significant preclinical results that will land late this calendar year and early next year. We've got a clinical program and acute myeloid leukemia will be in patients in Israel, quite imminently, in fact. In, in, we should be in from June, July on a trial that will start reading out. So a lot of our trials are what's called open label studies. So as you get results, you have the ability to report those results. So we'll have, in some summary, the second half of this calendar year, significant results flowing. We'll be moving into a broader patient clinical program next year. And that means, again, next year we'll have results. But I should say, you know, and perhaps this is most important to investors, that we're less likely to commercialize and build a drug company ourselves. We're far more likely to achieve a commercial outcome by selling our business to a pharmaceutical, a large pharmaceutical company that can bring Byzantine to patients the world over. Many people view a pharmaceutical company as being large laboratories with lots of people in lab coats and lots of Petri dishes and very, very scientific operation. But that's not what race oncology is like, is it? Well, not at all. Um, race oncology, of course, we work with those people, but our business model is to tap into the best resources, be they in Australia or be they global. So we've got the ability to move quickly, to access talent and resources. We keep our, our headcount, frankly, very low. So uh, we're a small group, both an executive group and a board, um, and intentionally so. And I think in today's world, you have the ability to, to access um, the world very, very easily and very quickly and, and at an affordable costs when you choose to do so. And that's how we operate our business. So I'll just date stamp this. We're recording on the 18th of May 2021. But uh, about two weeks ago, I read that you had a, a recent capital raise. Tell us about that and the capitalisation of race oncology. Sure. We um, Let's see, we reported in March um, cash on hand of um, just above $5 million. I said before we run the business on a fairly lean basis. So our human capital cost is relatively light. Our larger costs are, of course, investing in preclinical and particularly clinical trials. We tend to raise capital as we embark on additional clinical trials. So we raised through a placement $5.4 million. That was oversubscribed. But importantly, we also did a bonus option to shareholders. So shareholders of record have now received a one for 20 bonus option, and it's got a price premium on it. So in 12 months, it will be exercised, assuming we're above a price of $4.50. 
Now, should that be the case, and of course we we believe it will be, we've got potentially capital inflows of above $30 million if shareholders exercise those options, assuming they're in the money. So more broadly, we're funded to achieve our both committed programs for this calendar year. We've got potentially through the bonus option, the ability to flow more capital through next year, and always the opportunity to go you know, to place if we need to fund particular activities. But we only raise when we need to. So for the layperson, what does treatment with bizantrine mean? Sure. Um, I mean, cancer treatment continues to evolve. So historically, it was about um, chemotherapeutics, which bizantrine is a chemotherapeutic from a class called the anthracycline class. But from a lay perspective, what chemotherapeutics do is is broadly kill cells, um, including cancer cells. So they're very effective first-line treatments. But what's evolved more recently in in the field of oncology is more targeted or precision treatments. And in our case, bizantrine is a precision treatment for the FTO protein. So if we identify a patient who has the FTO protein within their cancer, and that could be across any type of cancer, then potentially bizantrine is the inhibitor of that particular protein and can be that patient's hopefully salvation. And that's how oncology is evolving. It's very targeted, it's very precise. And really now it's about not saying, well, I've got breast cancer, I've got kidney cancer. It's about, well, I've got this cancer and I've got this particular protein or enzyme and there's a particular drug that oncologists know has activity against that. So that's the future in oncology, targeted precision treatments. Phil Lynch, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. The company and or guest has contributed to the costs associated with producing this episode of Equity ASA. Important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.com. If you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.